Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there. And Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We are finally into the last couple of weeks uh, of 2020. And we're going out on a high note, guys. I mean, we have a lot of news um, some better than others. I mean, we have some negative news in the headlines as well, but we'll talk about all of it. But the positives, I mean, let's focus on the positives. It's the holiday season, and some people got some gifts under their trees. No, Trevor Bauer has not signed yet. We do not know where he is going, but there are speculation of the final two teams of who could be in on his services. We'll talk about that later in the podcast. But to start off, we have the Negro Leagues, the Negro Leagues, has finally, um, you know, has finally been recognized by MLB as a major league. They are going to start holding the statistics in the record books, which is a big deal. It is a really big deal. Um, so we'll talk about that, what the significance is of that, because at the start of 2020, I mean, th- this is a year to remember and a year to forget in many, in many ways. Uh, I think the year to forget is that, you know, with everything that went on, went on with COVID and, and, uh, you know, it just wasn't a pleasant year, I would say. But it's a year to remember as well, because it was the year that I think that we can go on and tell our, our kids, our grandkids, you know, in, in, in future generations of a year of, of change, you know, and this is going back to, the the you know with George Floyd with all those riots with racial injustice finally being brought to light um, because we know it, that it's existed but you know with with baseball and MLB and football and basketball all kind of bringing it up and finally stepping up and talking about these issues uh, it's a big deal right it's a big deal we've seen some some big strides and obviously a lot of these are on the surface right we we want change to come from underneath we, we want to come from from you know not just to be on the surface changes that we can see we want to see structural changes we want to see all these types of things but anyways don't want to get too philosophical there but but getting into it with uh the negro leagues right i mean that's the that's the big deal uh that we're going to talk about on this podcast finally being recognized as a major league that is huge huge news and then also just go piggybacking on that is the Cleveland Indians. I mean, with this whole situation, you're looking at the NFL with the Washington formerly Redskins. They are no longer called the Redskins. They are uh, the Washington football team right now. That They're named the football team uh, because they haven't thought of a name yet. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's where we're at uh, as far as that goes. But, you know, going into the Cleveland Indians, they are now also stepping into that area of change. They are going to change the name. They have already announced it. They haven't announced what the name is going to be. We'll discuss what those possibilities are in this podcast, but they are definitely going to change their name in 2021. 2020, they will, or, or 2022 season rather, 2021, they will keep the name. Um, but it will be changed at the start of the 2022 season. And then we have to get into uh, a former Indian shortstop. We've got to talk about Omar Vizquel and everything that's going on, his legal trouble um, going into this offseason. And it comes at a at a interesting time because of the Hall of Fame uh, balloting 
process. It's going on right now. So that's going to be uh, interesting, uh, to say the least. So we have all that coming up. Also, Arenado, where is he going to end up? There's some speculation as to who could be a possible suitor. And no, it is not the Dodgers. So we'll talk about that as well. Nationals are looking for a replacement of filling that void ever since Rendon left. Are they a possible suitor for uh, for Nolan Arenado? We'll talk about that. And Molina, Molina is still out there. We are waiting to see where he can possibly end up. Is it going to be the Cardinals? We will also get into that. We have a lot to talk about. And by the way, when will the 2021 season finally start? A lot of speculation. And well, I'll give you my my best judgment, my best idea as to when the season is going to start and just spoiler alert, I don't think it's going to be in April. So we'll get into all of that. We got a lot on the plate for this episode of the podcast. And welcome back. I hope you guys are enjoying your holiday season, uh, enjoying your time with the family. And, uh, you know, we're getting close to the end of this year. We're hoping that 2021 brings a lot of positive news um, and just getting into the positive news just to finish out this year, right? I mean, because 2020 has been a really rough year for a lot of people. And, you know, the the big news that came across this week was that MLB finally recognizes the Negro Leagues. And, you know, for many of you that don't understand what the significance is, well, the Negro Leagues, you know, Jackie Robinson w- uh, held close to his heart that he disliked the Negro Leagues, not for what you think of on the surface. He would say that he disliked that there would be even a reason for the Negro Leagues, right? Because we all remember Jackie Robinson being the first uh, African-American player to play in baseball. And, you know, he was he was just very adamant that these players in the Negro Leagues that have been playing well before he was even playing uh, in the Negro Leagues, all these players deserve to be in the major leagues, right? I mean, we all know the legend of Josh Gibson, arguably the the best hitter of all time. I mean, this guy, we don't know the actual statistics on how many home runs this guy hit in his career, but it is estimated to be 800 plus. Like, we're, talk, we're talking a lot of home runs here, uh, but that was a talent that was never featured never featured in major leagues, right? So you look at all these statistics, and these guys, like I said, a lot of these players, like when you look at Cecil Cecil Page, just to throw out there, he didn't make his major league debut until he was 42 years old. Can you can you imagine what the, the record books would say about a Cecil Page right now? So now we can go back and look at the statistics of the, the Negro Leagues and they will be compared into with Major League. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, it it has been long overdue, I would say. And the fact that it had to come to this climate in 2020, because it was driven politically. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Uh, they're not doing it for the kindness of their hearts. Uh, you would hope that it would be that way. I'm, and, and I would love to tell you that it would be that way. But uh, they're driven po- politically in this. And not to say that that isn't... Um, you know, it shouldn't be celebrated. I'm not saying that at all. And by the way, people that are out there listening to this podcast and 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 people that are reacting negatively to this news, I really don't understand. I mean, yeah, the the comparisons are are different, right? 
you can't compare Josh Gibson. Some people say that, well, the level of competition wasn't the same. They weren't actually playing in the major leagues, so why should it be included? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that Josh Gibson is one of the best hitters in the game of baseball, of baseball. I'm not talking about major league baseball. I'm talking about baseball in general. Okay. And the fact that he was not allowed to play with all the greats that we know from major league baseball, it, it doesn't mean that he wasn't great in and of itself. You know what I'm saying? So just to say that, well, the level of competition, it wasn't on an even playing field. Well, they weren't even on the same field and we know why. We know why, right? So uh, I think at the very least, this is what baseball could do, is to include the statistics from the Negro Leagues. And it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And it comes on the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues. Um, so I feel like it's, I feel like it's a, a step in the right direction uh, towards fighting racial justice or racial injustices, right? I mean, um, we, we want to write the past and... That's all good and and dandy, but I would say keep keep the momentum moving forward. Like look towards the future. Don't keep trying to right your wrongs of the past. We have to look towards the future, the common future uh, for everyone. So the Negro Leagues getting recognized by Major League Baseball as a major league that is big news, and I you know I'm I'm happy. I'm happy that that is has finally happened. Um, you know, you would think that it would have happened when they finally um, voted in Jackie Robinson into the Hall of Fame. You would think that it would have happened then, uh, even before that. But obviously, you know, we're, we're behind in the times, but we're catching up. We're trying to catch up here. But uh, Major League, again, big news. Negro Leagues recognized by Major League Baseball. Now, moving forward into more uh, justices, right, is the Cleveland Indians. And we've seen this happen already with the Washington football team. And I mentioned the former name of the football team earlier in the podcast, and I don't like to I don't like to say it too much. So I'm just going to refer to them as the football team now. But just to for identification purposes, that's why I said it at the beginning of the podcast. But the football team, right, prime example of what is going on in the climate. And again, it is politically driven. It doesn't mean that it isn't genuine. I mean, it just sparks the idea like, hey, maybe we should change the name. So they decided to finally go ahead and move the Indians name. Again, a lot of people are not happy with it, but you know, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And Terry Francona comes out and says he's proud that the organization is finally doing it. Right. He's he's proud that they are uh, taking steps into um, righting the wrongs of the past. Right. So Terry Francona, very proud that the Cleveland Indians are doing that. And now the Indians, they will only have the name for the rest of this season, for the 2020 or 2021 season. And the name will be changed in 2022. But now when you look at the names, the possibilities, like what names are going to happen? Like, what is what what is up for debate? What is up for discussion for the new name of the Cleveland baseball team? Well, that one is a uh, a given. That is a, a possible name, <laughs> the, the Cleveland baseball team. No, we don't want we don't want to hear that. We don't want to see that. Uh, the football team it it rings a little bit differently than baseball team. So let's not go. Cleveland baseball team, but there are other possibilities. They have the Cleveland Naps, 
which I think is going to spell disaster if the Cleveland, if that Cleveland team is just, uh, if they're terrible. I mean, Cleveland naps like that is that just you can get trolled really hard on social media in the social media age. So maybe not go with that name. the 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 idea behind it is is good because it's named after one of their uh, one of their great greater players. So. Um, we'll see what happens there with the Cleveland Naps. I'm not, I'm not so for it. I kind of like this one is the Cleveland Rockers because of the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame being there in in uh, Ohio. So uh, I I like that one, Cleveland Rockers. I can get down with that. Cleveland Spiders. I don't really know how I feel about that. When I think of Spiders as a baseball team, immediately screams minor league. Like I I, I don't know. I I just. I don't, I don't see that as a major league name. So we'll see where we go with that. But also they have the Cleveland Crows. I guess there's a big population of Crows over there in Cleveland. And then the the Cleveland Great Lakers. And that may confuse, confuse a little a little bit um, for the Lakers in basketball. So I don't know if that's a good idea. But I think the, the top two for me would be the, the Spiders, I guess, but I would, I would probably lean more towards the Cleveland Rockers is is what I would lean more towards uh, for the new name of that franchise. But since we're talking about the Cleveland franchise, the TBD name uh, that we don't know what they'll be called, the Cleveland Spiders, the Cle- whatever they're called, for right now they are referred to the Cleveland Indians. Since we're, since we're talking about that franchise, uh, we have to talk about one of their former shortstops eh, and who is – on the Hall of Fame ballot this offseason is Omar Vizquel. And unfortunately, I mean, this the the, the last two stories are, uh, are feel-good stories. This one, not so much. And when it first broke, I, you know, it, it's, it's kind of hard, especially Omar Vizquel. I mean, every time that we've seen Omar Vizquel on the field, and of, of course, on the field and off the field can be very different people. I mean, it, it doesn't mean that the way that we're seeing them in the camera on, you know, it doesn't mean uh, that that's who they are. But, you know, just to go back on Omar Vizquel and his time with the Giants and, you know, his time with countless organizations. I mean, he's been playing baseball. He played baseball for 24 years. So, I mean, he played for a lot of teams, Mariners, Indians, Giants, Rangers, uh, White Sox, and the Blue Jays from 89, from before I was born to 2012. But anyways, so talking about Omar Vizquel, you see him on the field and 11-time Gold Glove winner, four, uh, three-time All-Star. You always saw him with a smile on his face, right? And and I wouldn't necessarily say that I've ever seen him angry. Like, I would never say that I saw him uh, mad. But, of course, again, it's different uh, behind closed doors. That's just the the nature of it. Um, so with what happened, it, the the news story that broke uh, with Omar Vizquel is Blanca Vizquel, his uh, his former wife. I guess they're they're going through a divorce. Um, there there was accusations of physical abuse, right? Uh, domestic violence uh, being brought against Omar Vizquel and uh, B- Blanca Vizquel, uh, thirty six years old. She uh, she told the Athletic that her husband physically abused her in 2011 before they were married and in uh, 2016 as well. She described uh, heated arguments and her husband in, in the past and uh, most recently this August when she decided to leave him and start the divorce process. And Vizquel came out and he strongly denied the allegations, right? And... Of, of course, you're not going to you're not going to admit to it. I mean, that's just 
That, that's obvious. But the way that he said it is, I don't, I don't know what to believe. I mean, the court of public opinion obviously weighs heavy in these types of situations. Anytime domestic violence is brought up, uh, I have zero tolerance for it. I mean, just the fact that it's being brought up. But again, you don't want someone to be uh, wrongfully accused, right? And of course, the court of public opinion. It doesn't weigh, uh, you know, as much in the courtroom, but it does for the rest of your life, if that makes sense. I mean, what people perceive you to be with these domestic violence uh, accusations, I mean, a lot of the times they're brought up and that's just what you remember. You don't you don't follow the court cases. You don't find out what is found to be true and not true. So. For what is broadcasted out there that Omar Vizquel accused of domestic violence, that's going to resonate. That's going to sit in the minds of a lot of people, whether he did it or not. So unfortunately, that's the that's the reality of the the world that we live in. I mean, the court of public opinion, that's just what it is. Uh, but Vizquel, he came out, he strongly denied the allegations um, in a statement following uh, the breaking of the story. He said that I'd never hit or been violent towards my wife, Blanca. Any accusations to the contrary is false. And he also went on to reiterate that I never expected this divorce proceeding to play out in public, but I will continue to defend myself and my name against these false accusations. Our divorce should be settled in the court of law. Again, not in the court of public opinion. So uh, it's getting really, really murky when you start to look at the story. And again, this is going back to 2016, as recently as this August, uh, 2011 uh, disputes. And then people, you know, kind of kind of go out there and say, well, why wasn't this brought up before? Why is it just coming out now? Well, you have to understand. And I and I feel like we've had this conversation uh, recently with Addison Russell and his uh, former wife um, having their domestic dispute is. You have to understand the mindset of the cycle of domestic violence, right? And uh, like, I, like I talked about before with Addison Russell a, a, a while ago, it, it was probably before COVID even even went down. Um, it, it w- I want to say it was in March or, or maybe maybe February or something like that. But the cycle of, of violence, cycle of domestic violence, you're not going to run away. You're not going to drop everything and leave the first, the second, the third, the you know, there's a cycle to it is that if you're in a relationship that you're trapped in um, or you feel that you're trapped in, maybe you're not physically trapped in it, but you feel emotionally trapped in it. You can't leave it. Uh, that's what the cycle. That's how it starts. Right. You feel like you can't leave. You feel like there's no way out. And then the violence occurs and then the aggressor or, you know, whoever your significant other is, if you're in that type of situation, they will apologize and promise never to do it again, right? That's the cycle. And then you love them and you want it to be true. And you just fall into that cycle of, okay, well, they apologize. They, they said that they're sorry and felt sincere. We'll, we'll move forward to, to try to fix this. Right. And then it happens again. And then the same cycle and it keeps repeating itself, repeating itself. Some of these victims, I mean, the ones that are lucky to get out, um, they they go through it for years on years. I mean, look at this. It, it goes back to 2011 for, for Blanca Vizquel. Again, this Omar Vizquel saying that the accusations are false, but these accusations anyway are dating back to 2011. 
dating back to 2011. And on honestly, in 2016, which I never knew, that I, I wasn't aware of this until all this was brought to light. Omar Riskel was taken into police custody in 2016 uh, after an incident at the couple's Seattle home and in Washington. So uh, Blanca told the the police, and this was from the the Athletic. You could read that. Um, that you can read that article. It was with Ken Rosenthal. I forget who else was on that as well, but Ken Rosenthal was on there. Um, and Blanca told the police that her husband pushed her during an argument, causing her to fall and suffer an injury to her shin and multiple broken fingernails. And Omar was booked for fourth degree domestic assault and taken to jail. But Blanca Vizquel, um later asked the the police pro- prosecuting attorney. Uh, to drop the charges against her husband. So again, that is the cycle, right? You you call for help, but then you you have some type something that happens inside of you that just wants you to uh, forgive and and forget, right? But until it happens again, so that's just the cycle of it. Um, the fact that that was brought up, and honestly, I never heard about the the fourth degree domestic assault in 2016 uh, until this article broke. I did not know any of this about Omar Vizquel. Again, it was probably all swept under the rug, and who who knows? Who knows what was actually going down um, behind the scenes? But very disappointing to say the least. And you know, I was talking to a few a few people, and I I don't even remember if I brought it up on the podcast, but. Um, the Hall of Fame ballot, right? I mean, the Hall of Fame ballot broke, and we were looking at it. I was looking at it. My friends, we were talking about it. And we were looking, and we were like, okay, well, who is a sure ballot Hall of Famer? I mean, is this the year that Barry Bonds is going to get in, right? That's what we were talking about. Is, is this the year? Like, who else is going to step in the way? Is this the year for Roger Clemens? Like, are we going to see Kurt Schilling get in the Hall of Fame? Like, what, what what's going to happen when we look at all these uh, – the, the the people that are eligible for the for this year's Hall of Fame ballot. And then you look at Omar Vizquel. Again, like I mentioned, 11-time uh, Gold Glove Award winner, three-time All-Star, 24-year career. You figure, yeah, he's he's probably the, the surest vote to get into the Hall of Fame. But now that this comes out, uh, I feel like that hurts his chances of ever getting into the into the Hall, especially now with the climate, right, with, with the 2020 climate. Especially if he gets voted in this year, that that would just, oh my God, that that would be uh, terrible. That would be terrible. Um, you know, and and again, we don't know what is true, what isn't true. We have to let the court decide and find all that out. Uh, because again, the the court of public opinion weighs heavy. Um, but if he gets voted in this year, I mean, that baseball is going to have to step in and do something. I mean, um, n- none of these guys are. In the Hall of Fame baseball, I mean, for for whatever they try to hold it on this pedestal, n- none of them are choir boys. I mean, yeah, some of them are better than others, but w- we all have our faults. And I'm not saying that that is an excuse for Omar Vizquel for him to get into the Hall of Fame, but this is a situation to where we need to, you know, not rely so heavily on our emotions because our emotions at the initial onset of this is that okay he's not a good person like all right that's that's what it is but we don't know exactly what happened right so we have to reserve our judgment for when the court proceeding happens and and what is being discovered the fact that there are records of uh police you know um a fourth degree domestic abuse 
you know, that, that that's pretty negative. I mean, that's pretty bad. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and sugarcoat it. Um, but it also depends on the you know I don't know what what fourth degree means like o- over there in Seattle is that like the lowest is that the minimum of what has to happen of if you're called to a domestic di- dispute is that what has to happen or or someone has to go to to, to jail I, I don't know I, I don't know the the situation I don't know the the legal practices over there in Washington and again I'm not trying to make ex- excuses it sounds like I'm trying to make excuses. But I'm not. I'm just trying to provide uh, context for what could possibly happen here in the future. But Omar Vizquel, Omar, um, you know, obviously other things are more important than the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame ballot. But I feel like that is definitely in jeopardy um, with this being brought to light. So we will end it here. We will go on the other side. We're not done yet. We have plenty more to talk about. Uh, talking about Gold Glove Award winners and Platinum Gloves. Nolan Arenado, he is in the headlines or on the rumor mill, so to speak. We'll talk about that. Who is the latest suitor to come up in recent talks? Uh, Nationals, they've been talking about a replacement for their their loss of Anthony Rendon of last year. They're still trying to recuperate from that. We'll find out who that is. We'll go into that. And also the Nationals being included as one of the many suitors for Yadier Molina. But who else is on that list And finally, we will wrap up on the other side of when will the 2021 season finally start. And you're listening to the Passion for the Pastime podcast. And welcome back to the podcast, everyone. And on this side, we have a lot to talk about. We are getting into the 2021 season. We're going to start talking about that. The offseason, by the way, is... Not really getting going. We're still we're still waiting for things to happen. Uh, not so much going on across the board. Anthony Descalfani uh, signed with the Giants, so that is uh, that's something. <laughs> that's something from the from the Reds. Not not the Reds player that uh, I was hoping that the Giants would go ahead and sign because we're still trying to find out where Trevor Bauer is going to go. But before we get into Trevor Bauer, because we'll get into that. Uh, where the top two locations, possibilities of where he's going to end up is it's, it's narrowing down. I mean, there's still sleeper teams and still possibilities here and there, but it's pretty much narrowed down to, I I would say, narrowed down to two teams. Um, and one team is definitely out of it. But before we get into all that, let's let's start talking about Nolan Arenado because Nolan Arenado has been subject to trade rumors uh, for over a year now. And it all started because the ownership in the Rockies organization said, hey, you know what? Nolan Arenado is on the trading block. And he did not like that. And the relationship between Nolan Arenado and the Rockies just never got fixed. It never was healed. Um, Obviously, they're being civil about it. He's still going to go out there and ball. But Nolan Arenado, I I assume that Nolan Arenado is going to get traded. I don't know if it's going to be this year. Could very well be next year. He does have the opt-out after I want to say the 2021 season, or it might be after the 2022 season, uh, regardless, it's coming up, his opt-out clause. And if he isn't traded by then, he will def- I feel like he will He will opt-out. Oh, well, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Maybe he won't opt-out. But I feel like if he wants to try and go win a World Series ring, he will opt-out of Colorado and try to go elsewhere. But uh, for right now, he's a member of the Colorado Rockies, and we have heard recently in the offseason – of teams that are, could possibly be suitors and someone that was really interested on in Nolan Arenado. And I completely immediately shut that crap down because 
one, it wouldn't make sense for the Rockies to do the move. And two, I didn't want to see the Dodgers get get better. <laughs> you know, they're already good. They're already uh, one of the best teams in baseball right now. They don't need to add a Nolan Arenado. Yes, they're losing Justin Turner most likely. And it sounds like Justin Turner might be going to Toronto, but it doesn't. I, I don't. I don't care. I, I I really don't care. So so bad. So I don't. I don't care that they're losing Justin Turner. Um, but Nolan Arenado, right? That was linked. I didn't think that that was going to happen, Nolan Arenado, to the Dodgers because the Rockies can't be that stupid. They, they really can't be that dumb to to trade within division. So now the next step of this process is, okay, well, where can he go? Who is interested in him? And a team outside of the division has come to light, and it is none other than the New York Mets. New York Mets have uh, have – been or I wouldn't say that the Mets are interested in Nolan Arenado, but if the Rockies call you and say, "Hey, are you interested in Nolan Arenado?" It's just like someone calling, "Hey, do you want a grand? Do you want you want five grand? You want ten grand? You're, you're going to listen. You're going to listen to the offer. You're going to listen to what they have to say." Um, but it sounds like the Rockies have been shopping Nolan Arenado to the Mets, and the Mets, by the way, recently, I mean, they're they're in on everybody. They're in on Bauer. They're in on. Um, uh, George Springer. They're they're trying to they're trying to win a World Series like tomorrow. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, they 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 came out there and was saying that they want to win a World Series in the next in the next couple of years. Yeah, it seems like they're trying to win it this season if they want to go get all these players. By the way, the Mets just signed James McCann to a four year deal, so there's that on the table. But Nolan Arenado definitely being shipped, or I want to say shipped, being shopped to the New York Mets. That would be very interesting. Uh, very interesting indeed. You have Nolan Arenado, uh, Jeff McNeil, if he's not included in the deal. Um, and then you also have uh, Pete Alonso in that in that lineup. You have a lot of good talent. And then you have the starting pitching to compete right now. And if they're still in on Bauer after a trade, possible trade is made, then that's going to be, I would say, a favorite not to win the East, because it still rests on the shoulders of the Braves, but a favorite to definitely compete and get in with a wild card spot, I would say, uh, if they made all those deals. Again, winning the offseason doesn't necessarily mean that you make it to the postseason or win a World Series that year. We have to we have to remember that winning the offseason does not mean that, but the hype isn't going to be real. We'll find out about the Mets. We'll find out about the Mets because the Mets are, uh, you know, they, they signed – James McCann, and they're no longer a suitor for uh, Yadier Molina. That that was a possibility right before the signing happened of McCann. But now that they have their catcher, they're not going in on Molina. But Molina now is um, has more suitors than previously indicated. The Phillies could possibly be a landing spot. The Angels could possibly be a landing spot, and uh, and the and the Padres. We've talked about the Padres before. Um, as long as Yadier Molina doesn't end up with the Cardinals and we don't know how close they are coming to a deal. It didn't sound promising the last time we spoke and nothing has really changed. So we'll have to follow that with, with Molina. Um, but also the Nationals. Nationals have been linked to Yadier Molina because the, the Nationals need a catcher. They they do need a catcher. So Yadier Molina bringing that veteran presence uh, I think would be, be- very beneficial for, for the Nationals. Uh, moving forward, but talking about the Nationals, we're not going to dive into Yadier Molina. But the the big thing is, you know, trade talks. That's what we're talking about in this off season. The rumors just 
come in every five seconds. Like you have to weed through what these rumors are saying, what is true and what is false. Um, but what has come out is that the Nationals have apparently talked about the the Reds' Eugenio Suarez. What does that mean? That, that comes out that they are they're talking about uh, Eugenio Suarez. They're talking. Okay, well, are are they talking? Are they tr- are they talking trade? Like, like what are, what are we what are we talking about here? What what is the the context of the conversation? Are they, are they just mentioning his name? Are they actually trying to put together a package and trying to acquire Eugenio Suarez? That would be interesting. I mean, because. Not too long ago, Arenado was linked possibly to the Nationals, right? Because the Nationals, ever since Anthony Rendon has left, they have had that void. And they've been trying to fill that void at third base ever since he left. It hasn't been that long since he's left. It's only been uh, one season. But, you know, they're still trying to fill that void. And Eugenio Suarez could possibly be a fit uh, for the Nationals. He has pop. Uh, last year, he didn't do too well. He only hit 202, uh, but had 15 home runs in 2020. But the year before that, that's when he kind of broke onto the scene, had 49 home runs in 2019. So he can definitely rake, and that's what the Nationals are looking for. And this could possibly be an indicator. Um, if there wasn't indicators already, I think this definitely says that the the Reds are in sell mode. I would say that they're in a rebuild restructure paradox that they need to uh, figure out because Eugenio Suarez is a big bat, right? And, and the Reds, I mean, on the shoulders of Trevor Bauer made it to the postseason last year and broke their drought, their drought of being in the postseason. Um, so that's a positive, but you also got to look at, well, the main reason why the Reds were in the race was a Trevor Bauer. I mean, they had a lot of pop, or I wouldn't even say they had a lot of pop. Their their offense wasn't even that great. They just had good situational hitting. But when you look at Trevor Bauer, that whole situation, he's too expensive for the Reds. And that he, he they're already uh, saying all over baseball circles is that the Reds are already out of the Trevor Bauer sweep, sweepstakes. I mean, it's over. They're likely he's likely to land in a big market, and we'll we'll see where he ends up. I mean, but you have Rasiel Iglesias that got traded to the Angels. You already know that they're actively shopping Sonny Gray, and Sonny Gray could very well end up in San Diego. You figure, well, why do why does San Diego need more starting pitching? Didn't they just get Mike Clevenger? Well, Clevenger's out for the 2020-21 season. Uh, because he had Tommy John surgery, so he won't be he won't be participating in the 2021 season. So they could use a pitcher, Sonny Gray. It, it, it could work out. It could work out. But we're not talking about Sonny Gray, but we're talking about the Reds as a whole because they're in sale mode. They're they're not going to get Trevor Bauer. They're most likely going to trade Sonny Gray. Is Eugenio Suarez the next one on the pecking order? Right. So it's going to be interesting if the Nationals. Could put together a a uh, a package for Suarez. I don't think it'll be a cheap package. I think they're going to have to, you know, overwhelm the uh, the the Reds with a package there uh, because the Reds they do still have a little bit of a window. But when you look at that that division, um, I don't know if they're ready to compete quite yet. I don't think they're ready for that yet. Uh, but the Nationals again, 
uh, talking about Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. So that is interesting. The Nationals also, again, being included in the Molina sweepstakes. We'll see where he ends up. And this is all betting that the season starts on time. (laughs) Because we still don't know what's going on. We still don't even know about the DH. DH hasn't even been decided yet. We don't know if, if the DH is going to return to the National League this year. We still don't know. We still don't know. It's it's a very it's a it's a question. It's a question to be asked about the DH, and even more question. And that could be that could lead into why the C, why these guys haven't signed yet. I mean, when you talk about Trevor Bauer, right? We're talking about Trevor Bauer. The Reds aren't interested in him, or the Reds are interested in him, but he, they're too expensive. He's too expensive for the Reds. Where is he going to end up? Well, it comes down to most likely on the coasts. It's going to be New York or L.A. Whether it be the Yankees, I, I don't I don't believe that it'll be the Yankees, but I do think that it's a high possibility that it could be the Mets. L.A., I don't think it will be the Dodgers. It could be the Dodgers, but I don't think it'll be the Dodgers. I'm more lean, leaning towards Los Angeles Angels of where Trevor Bauer can end up. He already went out there on on uh, on social media. He was like, "Hey, all my all my Los Angeles, um, um, all my Los Angeles fans over there, Trevor Bauer fans, Bauer to the to the Halos, support me on this." I don't know what the hell he's doing on social media. He, he's always doing something, but he asked for support from the Los Angeles people. So I don't know uh, where he could possibly end up. I mean, there's suitors everywhere. I heard that the Giants have him on the big board, obviously. Why wouldn't you have him on the big board? If you don't talk about Trevor Bauer, then what the hell are we really doing? That's the, that's the big question. What are we really doing if we're not talking about Trevor Bauer? But um, but yeah, all these all these delays in the the questions of 2021 season. When is it going to start? Right? Because I feel like that is a huge indicator of why these players are waiting to sign and maybe why organizations aren't as eager to spend some money because they don't know if fans are going to be in attendance. They don't know how many games we're going to play. It sounds like it's not going to be 162. It sounds like it's going to be one uh, 140 because the league, the season is going to be delayed. It's, it's going to be delayed. It's not going to start in April. The Players Association wanted to start in April, obviously, because the more games they play, the more money they make. And it's going to be – I just don't want it to be another situation that we had last time. Figure this thing out. Figure this thing out. Don't don't wait until February to figure out if we're playing uh, spring training, if we're playing in April, or if we're playing in May. Like, figure it out now. Like, why or is this taking so long? I know the uncertainty of COVID. I know that that is definitely a thing. But I mean, schedule it as it's it's going to happen. I mean. They so what so what the owners are coming out and saying now is that they want to delay because of the vaccine, right? They want all players to be vaccinated in order for games to proceed. Didi Gregorius he came out and said, "Hey, well, we already showed that we can play in a in a pandemic, so we could play 162. I don't see what the issue is." Well, you know, uh, <laughs> the. We had some we had some teams test positive, uh, DD. I don't know if you were aware, but we we had uh, some outbreaks happen uh, for multiple teams. Not saying that they didn't get through it; they got through it, but it was pretty ugly. It, it was a- almost embarrassing at some points. 
But what if players don't want to get vaccinated? I mean, do they have to get vaccinated? That that's that's a question to be asked. If they don't want to, do, are they just not going to play? But the season, for for my guess, it's going to start in May, maybe mid May, maybe not even early May. I hope early May, but I think it'll be mid May. And because if they're really hard on the vaccine for COVID and they don't want to take away from the general public, then that's not going to be made ready for the general public. They're they're saying until March, April. So uh, we'll find out what happens, but not counting on the season to start early, guys. I apologize. It's the end of the year podcast. And uh, (laughs) I hope I had better news. I wish I had better news. Um, but moving into 2021, looks like we could still be delayed. But the positive thing is, is that we're moving into a new year. Maybe some uh, some good karma, some good luck will be coming to us in 2021. So I'm going to edit it here. Hopefully we have baseball when it's scheduled to happen. We had the Sunday night baseball schedule come out. A lot of Braves on there. A lot of Braves, a lot of Yankees on there. Um which, which I'm not mad about. I, I, I enjoy watching the, the Braves. I, I enjoy watching Ronald Acuna. So uh, we'll see what happens moving forward into the new year. But you guys have a good one. Be safe. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And happy new year. And I'll catch you guys on the other side in 2021. So be safe. Talk to you guys next time. And have a good one.